Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Andrew Buso. Andrew, thank you for joining us on Rising Tide. Yes, yeah, so great to be here, and thanks for having me. I, uh, I love that, that uh, painting behind your head there. I would even mention it off camera. It's just, it is such a unique piece of art, you know? Isn't it just? Well, at least from the you... neck down, I mean, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Um, we actually found this piece of art in an abandoned garage. Wow. And, you know, it's amazing how somebody's trash can become another person's treasure. It is someone's and treasure. And it fits it's in that space mine. so well. Exactly. Exactly. Thank so, you. hey, I, I didn't want to sidetrack you right off the bat here, but uh, tell us a little bit about, about Andrew. About Andrew. Well, um, I am from Sydney, Australia, but originally I grew up in South Africa for the first 30 years of my life. And um, yeah, I think the last 17 years I've dedicated to helping organizations, people, teams, leaders through unprecedented change like we're seeing right now. So uh, yeah, I landed up moving to Australia and uh, setting up shop here and uh, joining an amazing community. I'm very grateful to be in Australia right now with uh, what's going on with COVID. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a person who simply puts, just likes to help people through difficult times, uh, especially when there's a lot of resistance, especially when there's a lot of confusion. And I think growing up in South Africa certainly presented me with a lot of opportunities to hone in on that skill set. Mm, and yeah. uh, especially when you're operating a business that needs to deliver at a global standard with very minimum resources, but also with the ongoing danger and crime, it's sort of... I guess it's sort of a, a, it trains your brain to be constantly preparing and constantly thinking a little bit more long-term and not playing a short-term game like I think a lot of organizations might choose to do, especially during a time like this. I, I mean, I love the way that, that uh, you know, I, we, I just had another conversation with uh, a fellow founder in Australia and we were talking about, you know, nothing is wasted in, in like your past that is you know, leading to your future. I mean, everything is is kind of, forming together to make you who you are today. So what part of South Africa were you from originally? Uh, I'm from Johannesburg. So we're very famous for our work ethic. We're famous for gold. So if you own anything gold, it's, it's highly likely it came from South Africa. But um, we're also focused, uh, we're also pretty tough as well, especially during, uh, during a crisis. So um, that's the part I grew up in. Yeah. And um, I loved what you just said there. I think for me, uh, absolutely. Once I got over my ego, once I got over my own emotional response to this massive, unprecedented global change we see, I've never been more clear in my life. It, it feels as though my entire life has built me for a moment like this. And um, I'm really excited to be connecting with other people who are feeling the same. So it's wonderful mm. to hear that from you. And I'm really grateful we've got a podcast like Rising Tides to share the story of, of hope and support in a time where we, we need to be connecting more than ever. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And that's not, not because of the podcast, but for sure that at a time like this, I mean, we do need voices that are casting vision and not fear and they're casting, you know, hope and not despair. So as you're, as you're kind of, you know, you touched on a little bit. So walk us through the, the business idea that, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What, what do you do Monday through Friday or maybe 24 seven as a founder? 
as a founder, are you talking at the moment or the moment, uh, yeah. is this BC or um, AC before Corona <laughs> or after Corona? <laughs> yeah. So Look, currently, yeah, the Earth to Mars version. Yeah. Well, like I say, I think I think um, that the lucky lucky being a change manager and a, a, a rapid radical change coach. Um, for me, I was very conscious of what I was personally going through. So the, the, about probably three weeks ago, I think the truth really hit for me. And um, what I spend my days doing is firstly getting my own head around this. And I think as a change manager, we've got the tools, we've got the awareness. So for me, a lot of my time was spent AC after Corona, first focusing on my own uh, psychological and neurological response to this change. And once I'd filled my cup up, only then was I able to show up for others. So the last few weeks really has been about showing up for others, um, showing up firstly for my family and friends. Uh, secondly, uh, showing up for my community around me and my neighborhood. But most importantly, as a business owner, it's showing up for my clients and my audience and my market right now. Because I think overnight, the entire market's needs have changed. Absolutely. And um, it, it's kind of exciting because I feel like I've started my business again. And I, I love talking to people and connecting to people and, and hearing and understanding the need. And I think that as a business owner is where I'm spending a lot of time is observing and listening. I mean, there was a huge temptation to jump in and create a lot of noise. But yeah. I, I was very conscious that I didn't want to operate from a place of fear or from a wound, which... I think Corona is not just showing up where the holes are in our government systems, in our companies, but it's also showing up where our wounds are in teams, in mm. families, and even within ourselves. Mm. So I'm spending a lot of time reaching out, connecting, recalibrating a lot of our products and services to, and even creating more ones that are more relevant now. So um, it's been an amazing couple of weeks of observation, connecting, listening, but most importantly, creating. And this is where I'm seeing there's a lot of businesses that are going through this really well because they do understand that the needs have met and now's the time to understand that. But there's a lot of businesses that are holding on to these old beliefs or their old products and services. And they're making a lot of noise trying to push and desperately make sales during this time Instead of taking a moment, having a breath, and I, I guess listening to what people really need right now, and, and then rebaselining how that can help and how that can be of service to right. uh, communities right. and companies right now. I, I'm afraid that those companies that are, that are not able to make this, this pivot are, are going to have a very short shelf life. Um, yeah. I mean, just seeing this across the globe, I mean, just a, a global shift and in uh, you know how we do business, how we treat others, how we interact, you know even inter internationally how we interact, and um, so you and I are going to going to hop on a lift here. We're going to go up 10, 10 floors. You've got about a minute. Give me the elevator pitch of Earth to Mars. Oh, it's it's quite simple. Um, I started Earth to Mars because at the basis I really wanted to help people and. Um, Change management, change leadership, um, it, it's a passion of mine. I, I've never been able to sit still ever. I'm a very curious, energetic, passionate individual. And, um, you know, often I've been told by um, maybe some leaders from the old age that, uh, you know, I might be too full on or too much energy, but I'm really passionate about helping people through unprecedented times of change. So that's resulted in... I guess me becoming a radical change coach over the years. And uh, Earth Mars is a business with a big vision. 
We are very much about working with leaders, companies, individuals, and teams. Doesn't matter your size, but as long as you're committed to doing whatever it takes to get through change, and that your product has consciousness, or your services have consciousness about the impacts, not just on your customer, but on the greater ecology in the world. Right. So um, we're a company that has a coaching practice that helps change at a micro level. At a macro level, we help organizations, leaders, and teams get through change and strategize in a collaborative, engaging way. And in the middle, we train up other change managers to do exactly what we do and be a light in dark times like now. I have uh, in in my in my career path, and I'm I'm a grandfather now, so I've had quite a career path. But I have congratulations seen the, yeah, three times. So I I have had the wow. I, have, I guess I've <laughs> seen the the difficulties of you know corporations that that are existing and have been for a number of years to really go through change well. I mean, I, I've seen it be much more devastating than it is helpful and much more or fruitful or, or effective and how that it's like they, they've struggled so much. They tend to lose employees through this. They lose their vision. They, they end up circling almost full circle back to try to get back to where they were because they, they feel so lost in, the, in their new world. I mean, is what what have you experienced i mean you're you're the professional how do you how do you navigate you know kind of these dinosaurs that are you know that are your that need to pivot dramatically i mean you know i, yeah. I think of walmart in in america you know a number of years ago they they could have shifted to an e-commerce model like amazon did and they resisted that and and now they're they've been playing catch up for like 15 years so, I mean, how do you, how do you help companies navigate that huge? Because it is a massive change. It is a massive change. And I think a lot of it might have come from old beliefs and values, possibly from the industrial age where leadership was all, I say this. I mean, that's what change used to look like. It was, yep. I'm the boss. You need to change. Do it. And, you know, in those days, all that mattered was output and yep. quality of our output. And we were making very simple products and services. But I think a lot of people haven't woken up. And I mean, when we had the information age with all this technology and um, computing power that suddenly allowed us to hoard information and become specialists, I think there are a lot of leaders that still think that, um, you know, they know it all or their boards know mm. the solution. And we've moved rapidly. And what I believe is driving this and, and why I started Earth to Mars is because of the democratization of technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, before in the industrial age, you would have to have this huge server room and, and get government or university permission to access that power. Yep. In the information age, it was generally a company's board of directors that made all those calls. But now, in the palm of my hand, I have I was more thinking that power. very thing. I was thinking in, in this little machine right here. It's <laughs> amazing. I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead. Exactly. And, and, and the example I'm seeing, I mean, I have to laugh. I mean, you brought up the American examples, but Amazon, it's like, they, they, you know, good old Jeff Bezos, love him or hate him. I like that he's going to, he's also going to Mars, I think. But, you know, he came up with this revolutionary technology. And if you actually go and Google it, it's a cage where he can put his employees in so they don't steal. And it, it, it's mm. so bizarre that people do think like this, even in big successful companies. Yep. How do I help them is I, I've accepted very quickly, having seen companies that get this right, having seen that companies get this wrong, and obviously helping companies everywhere in between. 
we're in an age of unprecedented creativity because never before have we have access, not just to our customers, not just to our employees, but the broader untapped creative power of humanity. And what we're seeing in China is phenomenal right now, where we do have some of those old school dinosaur beliefs around mm -hmm. control and conquer. And there's a huge digital revolution going out there. If you have not gone and checked this out, I really encourage the listeners right now to go YouTube this, where we're now seeing an uprising and a rebellion without people even leaving their homes about freedom of speech and humanity in, in China to properly and authentically record this. So Earth to Mars, um, and, for, and, and this is why I created the business, is I got to a point of absolute frustration. And for me, change is necessary. It's been necessary since the dawn of time. It's how we evolve. And my passion and what gets me out of bed is helping humanity evolve. So I'm in this for the long game. I'm in this for the long haul. And how we do that, instead of me as a professional coming up and pretending I know everything and um, having all these hordes of cookie cutter approaches like I learned in my big four days, um, I've managed to flip that on its head and I've realized, well, in these, this day and age, we all don't know the answer, but if we work together and collaborate, you can get solutions to problems like never, ever before yep. with robotics, AI, and the socially connection tools, which now we're all forced to use. Um, so the way I do it is instead of focusing on trying to become a doctor in change or try to get all these certificates around cookie cutter methodology, I've just kept continuously learning and continuously evolving myself and my practice. And um, we focus on two things. One, the human aspect of change. So the businesses that are succeeding are the ones that might have put technology in or put people through change, but they were very conscious on the impact of culture. So we believe the future is human, whether you like it or not. And all those jobs that feel robotic and all those managers and bosses that, that feel like that are, are going to be replaced. And COVID's just accelerating this Absolutely. fast. Exponentially. Yep. Exactly. And the second thing we focus on is human-centered design. I mean, we've had these tools of co-creation in the design industry and advertising and movies and all the creative markets have had these tools. And I started experimenting with them in the change space to actually, instead of saying, well, I'm the change manager, here's a plan. Let me try to convince all of you that this is the right way to go. I'm starting to see that the clients that are most successful have the humility and the vulnerability to be able to say, well, look, we don't know, but we want to hear what you think. And I've personally used that for my own business from the start, whether I'm coaching someone, whether I'm rolling out change methodology, or whether I'm actually training people up. Um, using human-centered design was a game changer for me because instead of putting all the pressure on me as a professional, I get much better solutions by harnessing the untapped potential of humans who love to collaborate. So um, we're very passionate about human-centered design. And when rolling out change, we, we leverage not just the tools of human-centered design, but the amount of amazing technology that's been there for at least five to 10 years. So um, we've been a little bit of ahead of a curve, which has allowed us to then help clients move to that space. Um, so I guess that's in the nutshell how we do it. We make sure we do it for ourselves first. We make sure we're the good example. We make sure we're continuously learning and evolving and, and represent that, which then allows us to then help other people through it. So I don't, I don't ever want to assume that everyone listening knows exactly the terms that we use just, you know, kind of interchangeably. So unpack human-centered design in your context. 
Beautiful. I, I, it is the most simplest way. So, you know, those tools, creative people with bangles and tattoos, you know, those creative people in your <laughs> office that you used to think were weirdos back in the day. We are now using those tools to facilitate workshops. So an example would be you, you want to design a product and instead of trying to sit and do it yourself or with a team of experts, you actually bring your client into the conversation. You understand their needs, you have empathy and you use these tools to then obviously get divergent thinking of what are all the possible ideas. And then we've learned how to quickly converge into something that's relevant. So all human-centered design really is, it's all those creative tools that our wonderful creative people uh, have been using, but applying it to business problems instead of putting all the pressure on a leader or a manager to have all the answers and, and deliver that. And what we're finding is by doing it that way and really getting into the herd mentality, really getting into accessing the collaborative and brains trust like products we use every day do. A good example is, um, what's, the, what's the tool where you can put up a business idea and get funding? Crowdfunding. Yeah, I like, um, yes. like Jumpstart or Kickstarter. Like or, Jumpstart, yeah, like yeah. Kickstarter. That's yeah. the one, Kickstarter, Kickstarter so, I was thinking. Yeah. It's the same Jumpstart. principle <laughs> that you can put an idea out there, test it live, instead of just you know, designing this product in isolation and just launching it and hoping your business will change works. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. It's like a crowd crowd hackathon, in essence. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine using hackathon. that for businesses. Imagine using that within a business. Imagine using that within teams. Imagine using that. Then you don't have to then convince people your product's great. It takes away a lot of marketing cost. It takes yeah. away a lot of communication cost because if you've involved people in the design of a solution, they're already invested. And people uh, yeah. love to be involved. I don't know about you, but I, I love being involved in the creative process. Especially if it's designed by clients or potential clients, Bingo. you know, because you're really designing it for yourself. You're designed, if, if I was creating this car, this is what I would want in this car. You know, uh, this is the service that would be provided or whatever. So, I mean, I really love that. So narrow down a little bit or, or kind of firm up for us, who is like the perfect client for your business? Where does it fit in the demographic scale? Where does it fit in the economic scale? I mean, is it a certain size of business? Is it, you know, been in business for you know, a certain number of years? Who is kind of an ideal client or, or is, is that kind of a broad portfolio? It's a perfect question. And um, it, it's broad, but it's not. And I, th I think that's the reason I started my own practice is because I really wanted to destroy this master slave relationship between a business and a consultant. And the reason for that is if us as consultants, whether you're a change manager or you're a consultant in finance, the more independent we are, the more outside and unemotionally attached we are to your business challenge, the better we can actually perform. So ideal clients, when I the clients that are thriving right now, that have actually listened, that were coachable, that uh, went along and were open to being vulnerable and trying new things. Those are the clients that number one, had leaders that were 100% committed to whatever change we were implementing. And what's great is we don't discriminate between large, small or medium. Change is the same, it doesn't matter what, yeah. type of organization you go through. It's, it's amazing. I've been on so many different projects and so many different tools and technology, but the human response to change is it's universal. And, and I've seen this in Africa. I've seen this in China. I've seen this in Europe. 
and now I'm seeing this in Australia and um, this is what I love. So one, for us, the ideal client has to have leaders that are committed and all I want to do is ask some very probing questions and, and it's a simple question as how do you define this change? Because then I can understand the beliefs and values and for me, I can't ever force or help or make someone be committed. Mm -hmm. That is a starting point for me. The rest I can do for you. I can help you release all the emotions. I can help you focus and get a strategy and co-create a solution. We can help you implement that. But what I cannot do for a leader is help them with commitment because I've learned that a business or a team will never outperform the psychology of the leader. At the yeah. Yeah. So that's my Very first great. niche. And we have turned down some major brands in Australia and globally, because they don't meet that criteria. Yep. And these are the ones that are struggling right now. My second ideal criteria, and it's also about um, where we're going as a species, I think. We are becoming more conscious of not just the impact we make on each other, but the global impact of doing business now. And this is what I'm loving about COVID. It's for the first time in human history, yep. we are acting globally. I we agree. are acting together globally and the things we're going to learn from this are incredible. So my second is I refuse to work with companies that are not on board with understanding the ecological impact they have, not just on their customers, but on their employees, psychologically, physically, and their well-being, but also in communities in other countries. And for me, Australia, it's a big deal because, you know, we're very well known for mining and finance. And now with all this rampant technology, leaders can't hide anymore. Yep. They cannot hide about these unethical things they're doing. So if we see a purely profit-motivated business, we disengage. Because all that's going to do is, and I'm actually an ex-auditor. I don't tell a lot of people, but oops, I just kept that up. Um, the thing about it, what I know as an auditor from long, long time ago is that if you are a business or a change or a leader that is purely focused on bottom line, you are 85%, statistically speaking, more likely to commit fraud and do something on it. Wow. And looking at what's happening in Australia with our Banking Royal Commission, where a lot of banks have been exposed for stealing money from people who are retiring mm. um, to all the, the ecological impacts that our country in mining is having on global climate change. Now is the time for, I think, all businesses and all professionals to start being a bit more discerning because we all have a part in this in terms of not just the products we, we consume, but the businesses we choose to help. So I personally know that I can help. I, I've been in this game for a very long time. I know my tools work. I know I can work with great leaders. But I'm being discerning around the clients I invest my personal time in. And it's those clients I love. And what, what, what's helped me is we now work with non-for-profits. We work for governments. We work for small to medium businesses that really want to make a difference. And, and that's what's making working for Worth to Mars inspiring for my entire team. When you're when you're sitting down across from a from a business owner and you're you're talking about the the benefits of working with your agency, is is there a certain? Um, I mean, I can see the social ROI, but is there also an economic ROI that you you almost have to somehow frame? You know, give them a story on how this is going to, you know, affect your bottom line financially as well. So. I mean, that's, that to me would be almost the, the biggest hurdle, you know, the biggest obstacle of, of adopting your, your service would be, I understand, yes, I understand change, I understand how we need to navigate, help people navigate and, and, and how we need to change, 
but how is this going to affect our bottom line? Is that a fair question? It's a very, very good question because I think there's this perception it has to be either or. And I think there's this some, a lot of business owners that I coach through this, there is this almost like there's either this drawn towards money or drawn towards a force for good. You Mm -hmm. cannot run a force for good business without valuing the money cycle. So for me, I very early on broke that paradigm for myself that why can't you do something good, have a service that's also good and make money? Why does this have to be good versus evil? And that's the creative spirit I think that comes out of using tools like human centered design is what if we do both? What if we help save the planet, get our species to become an interplanetary species like Elon Musk's and Jeff Bezos and, and Richard Branson's of the world are doing, but also make a lot of money. So this is where I guess my finance experience really has uh, helped myself and my clients. I'm actually an ex-chartered accountant back in the day. And what that did is, you know, whilst culturally it was an absolute nightmare for uh, a, a person with a huge personality. A creative, behind, that's uh, right. I'm famous for. Uh, oh, look, there's a lot of creative accountants out there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they get people in. I love, yeah, but it, what it, it love- type of creative. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, I'm bound by confidentiality, so I can't really <laughs> say much about that. However, this is where I think my finance background is really serving. I never understood why I did finance until I really started a business and change. Because finance for me is just understanding the anatomy of a company. Mm-hmm. If you think of a company like a body, cash is the blood, and all the different organs and parts that the blood flows to are all the different parts of the organization, the people the culture, the divisions, the supply, the demand, all of that becomes the organ. So what really helped me by having a finance background, or, and, and, and any business owner can go train themselves in the basic anatomy of businesses, um, it really helped me talk the language to not just sort of HR or you know, yeah. culture executives, but really talk to bottom line. And we actually have a methodology that we like to start the way we finish we really take that investment part at its heart. So when I'm working with a business owner, you've got to have a why, but if it's not valuable to people, you're not going to make money. And for me, Mm -hmm. cash is the bloodline, especially for small to medium businesses. So um, what I do with business owners, it's very important to understand where they are in that cycle of maturity of their business, because you wouldn't give a certain advice if you've just started. That's all about creating a sales mess and, and really learning what your product is and what your niche wants and right. defining your pitch. Whereas if you're in a business that's scaled and is fully operational, that's more about leadership and culture. So it all depends on the scalability of it. But I, I lead with saying, have a social heart as a business, but have a commercial mindset. And if you put those two together, which, um, which I've done for myself, uh, it, it's magical. And if I can really dumb this down to one line, as long as you're helping people, you will always make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and you probably have that on your wall somewhere. There's a there's a wall plaque that you've had designed that has that that on the. Every <laughs> if, day. If not, there will Every be. Every day I wake up to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. So it it really reprograms my mind to focus on being client focused, which I think a lot of the archaic businesses uh, are struggling with. Yeah. Um, and focus more on how to help and serve. And you know, people aren't interested in fancy websites and you know, amazing products and services with all this consulting jargon. All people really care about is you understand their problem Mm. and they trust you and you have empathy and you have the experience to get them the result they want. 
Yep. It doesn't matter what the product or service is. So that's what I tend to work with uh, small business owners around is really understanding, well, what's the problem? What's the result your customers need? And how can you design solutions with an absolutely compelling offer that you, no one can refuse? And when you get those three areas balanced, money just flows. I have a feeling that I don't know if you've actually measured this or not, but if you had actually did measure that, like your NPS, your net promoter score, I bet yeah. it would be very high with your client base. Thank you. Based Thank on you the for way saying you that. Approach the, just the, the service you provide. Yeah. Just, I just said just a couple of steps, just walk them through this, the, sure. this rough water of COVID-19. No problem. I'll, I will do this as quickly as possible because someone like me can never do this in two points. So number one, from what I've learned from my personal experience facing COVID-19 and what's going on, your mental health needs to come first. If I was doing yoga once a day, I'm not doing it twice a day. If I was checking in with friends and that makes me happy, I'm doing it extra. So number one, you don't need to feel okay and pretend that you're okay to do business right now process your feelings and focus on your mental health first because if your cup is full then you can show up mm. in the best way for your clients and help them during a time when everybody needs help more than ever secondly get social and there's so many business owners that are so fearful of, of putting themselves out there on social media but i'm not just talking social media get on the phone and call your existing clients and check in and ask them if you're okay i spent about a week every single day calling and calling and calling one that builds trust and yeah. it helps me sort of give the help and support but two you can also listen you can listen to what the needs are which will help you create or recalibrate your current business model to these times number three i would certainly say um get an outside in opinion and the reason for that is as a business owner as well, things can get emotional during a time like this with all this unprecedented uncertainty. So I know for me, I, I've got a business coach as well. I, I practice what I preach and just having someone who's not emotionally attached to my outcomes has been a lifesaver. It's almost like having a non-executive board of directors, especially mm -hmm. for small business, you can't afford that. So um, I know we're offering a lot of affordable solutions in that space, but I would recommend if you know someone who can just be that outside in approach, get that. My last is make sure you're focusing on helping. Now yep. is not the time to push services and products and fancy tools down people's throats. So empathy for that. me, num number one. Guys, we're in this together. I know people are saying that a lot, but really, this is such an amazing time because it's not discriminating. Everybody is going through this together. So I, I think now's the time to connect in ways we've never connected before. And for me, this is preparing us for way bigger problems that might come down the line. This is the time to show up and shine light and shine hope because um, that's the beauty of humanity is if we stick in this together, we can do amazing things. And reach out to me anytime. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm big on WhatsApp. Um, if you want to know a bit of my personal life, you can get me on Instagram at Butoful. But certainly Andrew Buto on LinkedIn. And um, I can chat to you and engage with you. Um, and also our website is www.earthtomars.com.au if you would prefer to access us this way. We also have a team of um, professionals on standby should, um, you know, given that mental health 
health is going to be a huge issue. So anyone who reaches out does get a complimentary session with one of our coaches. Um, but we also have a team on standby for things like suicide, depression, anxiety, that we can quickly direct you to the right people. So um, please, uh, if you're not going to reach out to us, definitely use your countries. I'm sure this is going to go global because this is such a great podcast, but use your country's support mechanisms around your mental health right now. And that would be my closing thought. Andrew, what a way to wrap it up to help all boats rise in a rising tide. Andrew, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's been an absolute privilege. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.